Welcome, everybody, to the Cosmic Car Wash podcast. Uh, Paul Daly, as I've been for all the weeks past, and this is my good friend Rick Kaiser, and uh, looking forward to, to diving into this today. So um, it's been a good week. You know, last week we talked about uh, what we left behind, just, you know, what have been the mm. impacts of the message of the great renewal, the renewal of all things, the 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 coming of Eden, you know, the rejoining of heaven and earth, which you know, you and I have come to understand, like a lot of people have, that that's been God's intention all along. But, you know, that's all great. But what impact does that have on my life? And so we were able to talk through uh, things that we've left behind, you know, a lot of the anxiety and stress and the feeling that God's always mad at us and, you know, right. this like performance Christianity and just help us to kind of loosen up and settle into, you know, this life that God's given us as we realize that it's ultimately connected and intimately connected with the life that is coming to us when Jesus returns. So, um, yeah, as we were talking through like what, uh, what we were going to do this week, you know, I was reading some scripture late Friday night, late Saturday, uh, last week and started to just kind of feel God talk to me a little bit about like, okay, you know, these things that you've left behind, those are good. But, uh, it was a very gentle, like fatherly, but still pointed uh, reminder of like, there's still a lot yet that I need to surrender to God. Um, and so that's what God started to talk to me about. And I was going through some different things in scripture and got a few scriptures, you know, pulled up to kind of help focus uh, our discussion. But yeah, then I pitched that to you over text and you were like, let's do it. So very good. Um, yeah. <laughs> just wanted to, uh, take some time here and kind of talk about where God is taking us from here. You know, if, uh, if we've left a lot of things behind, what's yet to be left behind, what are the things that God's asking us to give up or where is he like continuing to woo us and our affection so that our heart is more and more turned toward the kingdom of God and less toward all the stuff that this world has to offer. And, uh, I was thinking about a lyric from a song that I heard probably two decades ago. Um, I think the group, the name of the group was Everybody Duck. <laughs> uh, it was all one word. It's uh, it was kind of a, finally, yeah. It's like this really obscure Christian band, but the lyric in their song, and I don't even remember the title of the song, but the lyric was, "This world has everything. This world has nothing for me, but this world has everything." Wow. I'm like, mm, that's, yeah, really Profound. good to think about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the world is never going to give us permission to slow down, to step away from the rush of the world. It's always, there's always something to distract us. There's always something to keep our attention, you know, moving in one direction or another. There's always going to be a place for us to spend our money, you know, like, yeah. I mean, we live in an age and a culture here in the United States where there is 24 seven entertainment of all kinds nonstop. And that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with entertainment, but uh, it really uh, takes away, I think from the life of uh, being able to still and quiet yourself before God. Right. And uh, Richard Foster, another quote that I love, he said that, um, I won't do the quote justice, but uh, essentially that the enemy, 
his three main tactics are uh, hurry, crowds, and noise. If he can keep us engaged in manyness and muchness, he will rest satisfied. And so that's why I just want to kind of talk through, like, what do we have yet to leave behind? You know, what are the things that God's um, calling us to give up? So to kind of get us started, um, I'd like to read from uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And let me pull this up here on my phone through the Version app, which you and I love and we use every single day and have for years now. Um, yeah. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 from the message, uh, Paul writes, So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I thought, man, I just, I love the way that, uh, that that reads because it reminds me that the life that God wants is the life that I'm currently living. You know, That's good. He doesn't only want me on Sunday morning wearing a certain set of clothes, singing the right songs. You know, he wants my everyday life. So I talked a little bit. I'd love to hear what you're thinking, Rick, and let's just uh, kind of dive in and see where the conversation takes us. Hmm. I will give it my best. I, uh, <clears throat> I started to do some introspection and uh, had a conversation earlier today just via text and you were included in it, but it reminded me of some of the things that, that we've left behind, just some of those attitudes of hunkering down and waiting for the end, yeah. you know, the destruction of the earth. And, um, in the, yeah, it, it stirred some old thoughts and, um, and I, and I realized how many people, uh, maybe even unspoken, um, especially church people. And I, and I think a lot of people in the earth and the world today, that's what they're waiting for because it's just a constant barrage of the apocalypse, the end of the world and, and, you know, some existential pie in the sky cosmos, uh, right. of, you know, this nebulous world that we're all going to. So just let this burn. And right. I, and I think that is very <clears throat> much intuitive to what the scripture says about this earth, it completely negates what God thinks of right. his creation. It, basically it, it kind of, uh, narrow, you know, sums it up to, yeah, I made it, but it's crap. <laughs> so, right. you know, I'll start over. Right. And that's not what is going to happen. But so I started to, just to look at what was left because that is, is incredible and amazing is that it, that that is that ambivalence that you know i had for years you and i we've been friends for 25 years and yes. we've you know shared a lot of the same thoughts and mindsets and attitudes and perspectives and you know we're both christians and and uh met through revival <clears throat> and yep. you know and as far apart as we are now and you know uh, it still has not affected the uh, you know our friendship so 
the uh, we we both had those kind of attitudes, but that was the pivot point, I guess, that really changed so much. And yeah. I stopped looking at, you know, I stopped looking out the window or looking at life and, you know, waiting for it all just to crumble and fall to pieces and hoping that I escaped by the skin of my teeth. And uh, that's never, ever, ever been the case. And I think that that is so contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ and contrary right. to to God's plan for what's happening. And it, it is very destructive. So, you know, that has become that foundation. And um, the cool thing is, you know, not to uh, uh, Bogart <laughs> all the podcast time, dude. No, you're good, man. Uh, is that uh, that is the foundation? That is the very foundation for the elimination of all those other things. Who's the guy that said ruthlessly eliminate busyness? Was that Dallas, uh, Dallas Willard said? The Dallas. thing we must do is ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Yes, and I was talking to Janet the other day about that, and uh, because that's I couldn't just chill and relax and get into the moment of doing what I was doing, whether it was in the music room, you know, or packing up for a show or working out in the garage or whatever I was doing. If it was just out in the lawn, it had to, you know, it had to be efficient, quick, specific, precise, you know, it was about, you know, I got it done in this. And I was like that. And I realized that after that, again, you've shared so much with me, dude, I could almost call you pastor. Oh, well, now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so now of getting a hold of that, I can do that now. I mean, I don't always do it. I, it's it's a process, it's a growth thing. Yeah. And um, and I, I find that it's more enjoyable just to take my time. And But one of the things that I realize that I do a lot, okay, and I'm just going to, you know, bare my soul. I mean, it's not as dirty as it used to be, I guess, <laughs> or ugly is that my, uh, I find myself, I mean, I am a writer. We're both writers. And, um, uh, I find that just in my stories and, and the things and the images and, and, uh, the imagination, the stories that come, I, I find myself constantly trying to rewrite, rewrite my yesterdays. Mm-hmm. And I do that a lot, and uh, and to sometimes to the point where it's almost debilitating because I look back on some of the most horrible decisions, circumstances, and um, pain that I've caused or participated in, and and just those things, and wishing and rewriting and actually imagining a different outcome because I made one decision. Yeah, and um, I can't. And yeah. Pat Conroy is a, a famous author. He wrote The Great Santini and, oh gosh, um, what was it? Prince of Tides. I've read every single one of his books, hmm, every okay. single one. Some of them twice, three times. And uh, just one of my favorite authors. And um, and I read some very personal stuff that he wrote. And he he was trying to do the same thing. And we had similar backgrounds of growing up. His was much more intense than mine. But you know, his father was military. My dad was military and uh, very hard iron fist, mm-hmm. uh, almost, you know, borderline cruel. And so 
he found himself when he would sit down to write a novel, he, it would literally drain him and he'd have to go to counseling afterwards because he was wow. constantly and knowing that about him and then reading some of his stories, you can see where he's writing a different story for himself, mm. a different life for himself. And, um, as beautiful as some of his stories are bittersweet and heartbreaking and, uh, you know, redemptive, he can never change where he came from. And, right. and so that's what I, that's one of the things that I need to come to grips with as far as leaving some more of those things behind, like the old, you know, the old Armageddon, you know, lock and load, and, you know, throw some sandbags up. And pass the Bible and the bullets <laughs> and the bacon, you know. Right. Oh gosh, and it's and as as widely accepted as that is, especially down here in the South. And uh, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying it like that. But and it just hasn't had to be the South. It's everywhere. Is that kind of overall thinking? Um, it's so destructive. Yeah, and it produces. It does not produce anything good, right. and we are called to produce good things. Right, good good works were created for us to do. So that's kind of one of the you know, and I've got a few other, but I'm I'm going to pass it on before. I, but before I do, kick it back to you. This this is a scripture, and I, and this is one I've I really love, and it's Paul. And he's writing to the church in Philippi. And it is uh, Philippians 3. And um, he says, and, and looking at his background, my gosh, I mean, he, yeah. was, he, was, he was crazy. He was bloodthirsty and crazy. And uh, my gosh, I mean, yeah, he had maniacally anti-Christ. Yes. Oh, geez. you Until know, what a, that's what a story. So he says, not that I have already uh, obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which has taken hold of me, Christ. Yeah. And that, I mean, for some reason, that just sings to me because I see Paul. When even when he says, you know, no height, nor depth, nor what, you know, all of these things, nothing will separate me from the love of God. And a lot of people have taken that. And I'm sure there's some application where they, you know, nothing can separate me from the love of God. I don't see Paul saying it that way. I see Paul making a declaration. Yeah. That he's saying nothing is going to separate me from my God, that's how yes. I see Paul saying that. And in here, he's saying that everything that is behind him, forgetting what is behind, I press on to take hold of that, which has taken hold of me. Yep. And so, and that's, those are the things that I have to do. And it starts with open hands. Yeah. Open hands. I can't take oh. hold of Christ if my hands are clenched and I'm right. holding on to something and trying to change something that I can never, ever, ever change. Oh, all I, you know, so that I think is the biggest thing for me. And, and this is one of the scriptures, that one. And the one he says that no height, no depth, nothing can separate us from the love of God. I don't see that as um, that leaves us response or, you know, with no responsibility in at all. Right. You know, happy, loca go lucky and skipping along. It is a, it is an, I, he went after Jesus with the same reckless abandon that he pursued church, you know, with the bloodlust, the maniacal bloodlust. Right. He, yeah. He turned that and went the complete opposite way. 
Yeah, I, it definitely could be like this gentle, calming affirmation. Absolutely. That's right. one application of it. But I love the way that you reframe that as it wasn't just something that Paul passively accepted as nothing is going to separate him from the love of God, but it's something that he, like, we love talking about uh, the woman with the issue of blood who pressed through the crowd to get a hold of Jesus. Like, nothing was going right. to keep her from getting to Jesus. And I love that. And I see that is uh, very similar to what you're talking about. Like, I'm sure, well, so you mentioned, you know, like wanting to rewrite your yesterdays. I am sure that Paul, in the middle of the night when everybody else is asleep and things are kind of slowed down, I'm sure the faces of those people that wow. he imprisoned and murdered came back to him. And those voices threatened to like drag him back or to, you know, to make him feel like maybe he's a mistake or he had gone too far. And it was in those moments he said, no, yeah, nothing is going to separate me from the love of God. That's I will it. push forward. And I love the way John Eldridge and his son Blaine uh, talked about these things, you know, in their podcast we've referred to so many times is that there's nothing that God can't redeem, you know, and um, hmm. I've even thought about, like what will be the like n not even eternity with God in a renewed earth with heaven you know coming to earth like that even that doesn't wipe out our past but it redeems it because now instead of seeing our past through the voice of condemnation and fear and regret we see it where even in those things, God was active and he was working and we realize, and I think that's what will motivate us to worship God for eternity is we see in the darkest moments that he was there and he was working with us, through us, for us to redeem those things. And it becomes this like, oh my gosh, I thought this was the thing that was going to separate me from the love of God, but it never did. It never could. It never could. You know, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. Yeah. So there's, um, you know, a, f a few other, uh, quotes that I had grabbed, um, to just kind of frame this for me as I was thinking about what things do I still need to give up? There's one that I just discovered recently from GK Chesterton. Um, he said, there's two ways to get enough. One is to continue to accumulate more and more. The other is to desire less. And for me, that just goes right back to this thing of like opening our hands and letting go of this world so that we can grab hold of Jesus. And again, just to take the story of the woman who pressed through the crowd, like she could have, like I'm sure many other people did, hold on to her infirmity, hold on to the bitterness because she'd been shut out of society and you know, rejected by her family and not able to go to synagogue and, and in a culture and it's a society where the presence of God wasn't localized or wasn't broadly spread. Like you went to the temple to get a right. hold of the presence of God. So to be shut out of the temple meant you were cut off from God. Right. She could have held on to that bitterness and that resentment. And instead she let it go and her faith motivated her to push through the crowd to get to Jesus, to grab hold of the hem of his robe and get the healing that she needed. And I just, I love that that's a place where, you know, like you could frame it as she said, nothing is going to separate me from the love of God. She, there was something in her that was convinced 
that God is so good and wanted to and was willing and able to heal her that she pushed through the crowd. So, you know, she let go of all that stuff and just desired less of the world and got that touch from Jesus that she needed or, you know, got that connection with Jesus that she needed. So, yeah, I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah. And there's another one, you know, I was just was thinking, you know, writing out some more thoughts here. I use, you know, the notes on my phone quite a lot. Um, you know, I wrote here, lots of people try to use God as a means to an end, but Jesus showed us how to live with the Father as the end in himself. I don't want to love God as a way to get the life that I want. I want to love him because he is the life that I want. You know, and as I was thinking of other things that uh, I feel God, you know, asking me to leave behind, um, you know, it's, I get, I, I get uh, fixated on things. Um, like I've got this really great motorcycle that I bought a year ago and I can lose hours and hours and hours scouring the internet for pieces and parts and things to add to it. And, you know, Oh, I want to repaint my motorcycle. What's the best way to, to do that myself. And, you know, do I want to stripe it with tape or do I want to paint the stripes and, you know, just, I mean, it, it can go and go and go. And there's nothing wrong with motorcycles. I think the motorcycle was, you know, it's been a real gift for me. It's a great way to just have some self-care to go out and, you know, ride and clear my mind and appreciate the beauty of, you know, southwestern Michigan and northwest Indiana. But, uh, um, yeah, to just, like, not let my heart get attached to those things, you know, the, the stuff. And I can, I've gotten fixated on any number of things over the years, whether it's right. tools for woodworking, you know, I'm very much a, an amateur hobbyist or, um, you know, you and I both enjoy guns. I've, you know, spent hours, you know, looking for guns and what's the, the right pieces and parts for that and which mm -hmm. one's better than another. And, um, and, you know, back to my earlier comments about, um, this world has no lack of things to take our attention, you know, like there's nothing wrong in, you know, inherently wrong in those things. But when the, the accumulation of those things becomes a distraction from the quietness, the alone time with God, I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus went alone into the wilderness for 40 days, you know, and prayed and fasted. And that's where he did, you know warfare against the devil, you know, using scripture to combat the devil's temptations. And, you know, that's um, all throughout church history. That's been a major uh, part of, you know, the lives of people that have really had an impact, you know, through their writings, through their lives, through their speaking, you know, had a, an impact for the kingdom of God is that time alone with God, that quietness and not just uh, quietness of our surroundings, but being able to quiet our minds. Mm -hmm. you know? um, I was thinking um, uh, of Ezekiel chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. God is talking to Ezekiel and said, you know, these people have set up idols in their hearts. Um, and I don't know who said it, but uh, the I, I, I appreciate the um, insight of the saying that, people are idol makers or idol factories. Like we're designed the way that we are made, like at our core, we're made to worship and we're going to worship something. Right. And, you know, all throughout human history, it's been just a train of, you know, 
whether people are going to worship God or they're going to worship something else, whether they're going right. to devote themselves to the kingdom of God, to, you know, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit or to pursue all these other things. And that was part of Jesus's um, teaching on his Sermon on the Mount. You know, it was like, look at the, you know, the lilies of the valley. They don't toil or spin, but, you know, even Solomon and all his beauty and all of his riches wasn't clothed like one of them, you know, like, mm -hmm. are we going to choose the world's way of things or are we going to choose God's way? So, yeah, that's good. I, um, I don't necessarily think those kind of hobbies and all of those being in, you know, hyper involved and woodworking or, you know, I mean, I love guitars and uh, I've got a motorcycle too. And, yep. and it's just always something that I can, and I think what it is, is that, and I'm guilty of this, is I don't invite God along with it. Okay, into, there we go. Into those things, you know, mm. into what I'm doing. And I found this, uh, um, and it's really come to light over the last couple of months. And I've noticed that because Monday, you know, I'm, I do, we do a devotion seven days a week, 365 days a year. Mm -hmm. We've been doing that for years. Years. And uh, some mornings I can spend, you know, it is very much, I consider it very much a luxury and a privilege that I am able to do this, but I can send, spend an hour and a half, two hours. And that's going through the word and crafting and thinking about what I'm writing and, and to add to the devotion every single day and, and then take my time, sit on the porch and talk to God and pray and, and kind of, you know, see where the unction and what I'm feeling. And then Saturday morning rolls around and I get my devotion done and, you know, Janet's home. So she's there and I do the devotion, same thing, same about, but my prayer time is not as, and I, sometimes I'll sneak out on the porch and talk to him and, and, you know, go through the laundry list, I guess, or the grocery list. And, uh, <laughs> but then I find what happens is, and then Sunday's church and we're up early because we lead worship. Um, and so just constantly busy and I still get the devotions done. Then I'm at the church, get set up, sound check, um, run through the music again and pray and, and, and then church and I'll grab some food, get home, grab a nap. And then it's either the lawn or, you know, right. whatever. And so and then Sunday night, usually as I'm laying down, because I always try to talk to him, and I lay down in bed in the evening and shut the TV off. And and uh, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, just recently I laid down in bed and I felt like he said, where you been? <laughs> and, I was like, and, and he doesn't say it in a way like, where you been? It was just yeah. very tender. Yeah. It's very tender to where it just really pierces me. Where you mm. been? And uh, Paul, dude, it just crushed me. And uh, I, um, I, I was talking to him about it this morning on the porch. And that I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. I want him to be uh, not with me. I want to be with him day right. to day. And just like you know, I mean, I call my wife almost every day. You know, work. I call my dad once a week. You and I talk as often as we're able to. So we're always engaged, you know, whether it's someone at the office, a client, um, always engaged with someone or something constantly. 
throughout the week, throughout the day, throughout the week. And uh, it occurred to me um, that I don't always do that. I seldom do that with God. And that was on my list is that I disconnect. When I say amen, uh, it's like hanging up a phone, you know, and uh, I'm confessing. <laughs> that yeah. I don't want to do that anymore. I, because the thing is, is like through the week and when, the, you know, we're, we know that we're having a podcast every Friday and we're getting ready for that. I always, I'm aware and I'm thinking, I'm constantly thinking, constantly thinking about the Lord and, and our devotions and what we're going to talk about. And I feel like he's always close. It's like always right there. Mm-hmm. And then we can talk and I can just, you know, say things like, I'm, you know, concerned about this Lord, yada, yada. And he doesn't always, you know, thus saith me. And bright lights shining down. (laughs) Right. Put away your PlayStation. (laughs) Ah, good one. (laughs) That kind of stuff. Um, So, but it's just his presence. It's like when you're sitting in the living room with your spouse. You know, and she's either on the laptop, you know, working. She's a busy lady. Maybe the TV's on and, and I'm putzing around with my guitar, working on some music or whatever. And it's just, it's, it's not noisy. It's not crowded. We're not actually engaged in this in-depth conversation, uh, you know, solving the ills of the world or just discussing, you know, deep dreams and things like that, but we're right. together. We're, yeah. we're in the same room. We're in each other's presence and she's there and, mm. and, and I'm there and we're happy. And that's how I want to be with God like oh. that. But just to know that, you know, and I'm, and you know, I'm sure that you, you know, you're always aware of his presence. You're, I'm aware of his presence when he's there and I'm aware when he's not. And it's not because he moved. It's because I moved. <laughs> so, right. Right. You know, so that's another, that's one of those things. And that, and this is all again, going back, not to be a rerun, but it's, this all stems on that foundation of our ambivalence towards the return of Christ. Right. And I can't recommend that enough. I just recommend it to a very good friend of ours. Yep. You know, please, if I could, man, I would implore you, please listen to this and don't listen to it once and don't dismiss it. Listen to it again. Then listen to it again and then listen to it again. And yeah. that podcast changed our lives. Yes, it did. Forever. Yep. And, um, and, and that is that foundation. And I think it's, it's not abstract. It's not this, you know, offshoot of, you know, Christianity. It is the foundation of the gospel. Yeah. And that is what has been all of these things are slowly being built one upon the other of all of the things we left behind. We talked about last week and then today, the things that were still, you know, and these are the things that God is laying on my heart, you know, just, I mean, I've got a pretty good list here, Paul, but I won't go through all of them. No, I love that. I I find myself, you know, wanting to talk more about this, of what does it mean? Just like, you know, the scripture I read at the beginning, like, take your everyday ordinary life. What does it mean to offer my everyday ordinary life to God? Because I know what it means to connect with God while I'm reading the Bible. I know what it means to connect with God while I'm singing worship songs or I'm praying. 
but how do I go on a motorcycle ride with God? How do I mow the lawn with God? How do I make smash burgers with God? You know, it's just always have him close and have him around. Yes. Like you was described, you know, you and your wife just, yeah. and Amy and I do the same thing. You know, she's in the kitchen baking and I'm in here, you know, in the office and one of us will stop and just go out and give the other a kiss and right. you know, like, Hey, I'm here. I love you. I just want you to know I'm around and I'm thinking about you. Yes. I, I love that. Oh my gosh. And I forget that so much. And I try to, without meaning to, I try to put God back in this box of like, God lives in scripture reading, prayer, and worship. <laughs> yes. Ding, ding, ding. Hold on one second. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that, that's another thing that bothers me about myself. And I talk to him constantly about that on the porch is I never want this to become religious calisthenics. Yeah. You know, and yeah, because that the, the servant, the third servant who buried his bag of gold, you know, whatever right. you want to call it, bag of silver, he buried his investment. He buried what his maker had given him, his, his employer, you know, it's the Lord. The whole thing is a parable, yep. but there's so much truth and depth to it. He buried it basically by burying it. He's saying it, you're dead to me. Right. So we can go through all of these things. I know that I can, let me speak for myself. I can go through all of these things and check off the, the all the boxes and all that. And, hey man. All right. And then walk away and go live my life. Right. And, and what do I produce? What have I done? What have I changed? Right. Who have I helped? Who have I fed? Who have I loved? Who have I encouraged? Who have I healed? All of those things. Who have I given to? Who have I, yeah. you know, oh my gosh. And I can't, I, it is, it's, it's like this drum that just keeps beating Paul, you know, that. So I talked this morning about it, uh, about, you know, how can I feed the poor? How, how can I help these people? And, and I'm asking these things like I'm talking to you and, you know, because we're kind of in a remote area in Southside Virginia, and and um, <laughs> it's funny. I felt like the Lord said, "You, you have you have the internet, don't you?" <laughs> so, and it's, you know, it was like the, you can find all kinds of incredible, great causes, and if you can't actually put boots on the ground and get your hands in the muck, I can write a check, right? Even if, you know. And I started thinking as immediately I thought of the woman with the two, the two nickels, I'll call her the old lady with the, the two minus, yep. you know, the two, you know, noisy nickels. It's all she had to rub together. And she threw it in that pot and all these rich people and got, and Jesus said, she's given more than any of them. Wow. So if I can give to an organization that is actually feeding orphans or just feeding hungry people. If I can give to an organization that is actually, you know, has boots on the ground and, and people building ramps for widows, you know, men and women, a widow is not just necessarily a woman, but that's what people think. Then at least I know that I've done something. I haven't taken that bag and covered it in dirt. Right. Yeah. And that, yeah. And going back to, you know, if anybody is interested, we did an episode sometime back called Eight Bags of Gold. And mm -hmm. what we found and kind of looking into the language of that is it wasn't 
uh, a bag of silver or five bags of silver or whatever or gold it, the the language the greek there literally means he transmitted his existence to them and that's immediately you know what you're saying was the immediately what i realized is every single person on this planet is created in the image of god so how am i treating those people that are created in the image of God. Cause the way I'm treating them is the way I'm treating Jesus. He made that abundantly clear in the scripture. Whatever you do for one of the least of these you do or don't do for me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, as I'm, as we're, you know, kind of circling around this question of what do we still need to leave behind? It's a self-centered, just kind of not, not anti-God, but just dismissive of God kind of lifestyle. You know, it's, it's, it's like, I have the option of living my everyday ordinary life like every other person on the planet, or I can live my everyday ordinary life and then invite God into all of that. And then he will start to work with us and guide us and direct us of where to invest ourselves so that we are investing in him through investing in people. Right. And that's when his resources can get involved. Yeah. Even when you think you don't, I don't have anything. And he's like, don't matter. I do. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you're right. What happens is it's so easy. Uh, that line can be blurred so quick between, you know, serving and, and then self-serving. Oh yeah. You know, that's such a, that can be blurred so easily. And that's yep. what concerns me. And that's what has been on my heart now for some time is that I love doing the devotions. I love being in the word. It truly is alive. Yeah. But if, if it doesn't help anyone but me and I don't uh, help others, I mean, I can't, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean I got to stand on a street corner and, and preach, turn or burn. You know, it's right. It is um, managing Eden while we're waiting for Eden. Yeah. It's managing his his goodness, his planet, his creation. It truly yeah. is. And, and it completely just obliterates and dispels the whole notion of, you know, just wait, watching it burn, you know, <laughs> right. no, right. Right. That's, that's not Jesus. Didn't neither did no. the disciples and all of the apostles and disciples and, and church martyrs from Calvary up until today. Yeah, they, never, they were never like that. I mean, just even the new movie that's out, The Sound of Freedom, you know, that that to that's to me that's the work of the kingdom, doing God's see, work. I mean, that, that phrase kind of gets tossed around, but that's God's work. Yeah, exposing the darkness and rescuing, um, yeah, you know, the victims and the slaves. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that I see that, and I think, my gosh, what am I doing? Yeah. You know? And sometimes, yeah, and it doesn't have to be so grandiose. It's sometimes it's it's mad of just giving. Again, if you can't get boots on the ground, or you know, you can't get elbow deep in the muck and the mire, um, you can help support those that are. Yeah. Oh my so. gosh, I feel like this is such like I need to hear this, and I feel like maybe there's people that are listening to this that also need to know that Jesus said, if you give even a cup of cold water to yeah. one of these you've done it to me he said if you receive a prophet you receive a prophet's reward like he's looking he has designed the system 
in such a way that we get the maximum reward. And it, we're not seeking reward for its own sake, but he makes it easy to make a difference. So, um, you know, you and I have a friend through the devotions who um, I have really grown to appreciate her her faith and her tenacity. She's got a lot of physical challenges and um, yeah, really like somebody that you might look at and be like, oh my gosh, what a way to live. But to hear her talk about how zealous she is for the kingdom of God and how much she loves Jesus and how much her life is so much better now in spite of her physical challenges than it ever was before. I'm like, that's inspiring. And so, and she, she types out the most beautiful prayers for people. Anytime anybody in our devotions is like, I'm, you know, I really need prayer about this man. Her prayers are chock full of the power of God, of faith in who he is and confidence in what he can and will do. Like, wow. And if she's watching this, she knows who she is. I won't call her out. But yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I go to church with her. Yeah, so, she's amazing. Yes, she is. And so in that being said, I think that's a nice segue into inviting people into those devotions. Yeah. Because our last few devotions, we've seen a, a bunch of new people. That, it's been a big uptick. It's exciting. Yeah, I, could, I could bump into them in the grocery store. I wouldn't know who they were. But yeah. it it's just um, stirring that creativity and that excitement and the faith. And uh, so... You know, if you are watching this, we would strongly encourage you to reach out to us and and uh, we'll get you, uh, give you the keys to the kingdom, I guess. We'll give yeah. you the, yeah. uh, how to how to get tuned in and plugged in and, and you can share the rest and tell them how we can, they can join our devotions. Yes. And uh, we can talk every single day and we do. So you can. We do. We got a great community there. So yeah, I mean, there's a number of ways to get engaged with us. Um, if you want to reach us directly. Um, info at the cosmic uh, I check that email box every day. Uh, you can leave comments in the devotions here and we can, you know, kind of link up through, uh, all the different electronic channels. Um, I personally don't have any social media. I'm not on Facebook or anything, but, um, if you have uh, a smartphone, like every single person in the developed world does, <laughs> um, the U version Bible app is available through uh, play, the App Store or Google Play. Um, you, right. My name is Paul Daly, P-A-U-L-D-A-I-L-E-Y. Uh, my headshot on my profile there looks exactly like this. So I'm sorry for that, but <laughs> <laughs> that's how you can recognize me and, you know, we'll get you connected. Um, and yeah, we would love to invite you into our devotions, um, share with you all the resources that we've uh, discovered um, really in the last three years has been this treasure trove of things from John Eldridge, from Dallas Willard, uh, stuff that C.S. Lewis wrote decades ago, but is still just brilliant and insightful. Um, things from Dr. Michael Heiser, from uh, John Mackey, or uh, Tim Mackey. John Collins and Tim Mackey at uh, Bible Project out in Portland, uh, John Mark Comer, who pastors a church in Portland, another fantastic one, who uh, just people talking about the coming of the kingdom of God of Mm -hmm. Eden here and now and the excitement and the joy and the fire that that lights in us. And that motivates us to want to leave more things behind because there's nothing that we can hold on to that even comes close to the amazing presence of God and the kingdom of God that is available right now. It's not a wait until you die kind of thing. 
it's here and now. I love Michael Heiser says it uh, that one of the things that uh, Bible scholars like to say is the kingdom of God is now, but not yet. <laughs> so, yeah, hmm. I'd be happy to put you in touch with all of those resources. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Well. The last thing we always say uh, before we end these, and I mean it with every fiber of our beings, is God is not mad at you. Amen. He is not mad at you. So thank you for going with us on this. Uh, thank yes. you, my friend. And uh, yeah, any other closing thoughts? Am I forgetting anything? No. Okay. Nope. See you next right. time. Cool. Thank you all very much. We'll talk to you next week.